Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And today I'm joined with Dr. Daniel Amina, who is a psychiatrist, associate medical director of the Amen Clinics, and co-author of The Suicide Solution, Finding Your Way Out of the Darkness. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for joining in today. I'm really excited to share this podcast. Before I do, um, if you'd like to leave a rating and review, if you've enjoyed listening to these podcasts, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, And also, if you could share uh, with a friend, with your audience, if this episode or past episodes have been impactful, um, would love for you to share them as it helps really grow our listenership and help to uh, deepen the impact uh, for people who uh, need to hear from these conversations. Well, today I'm speaking with Dr. Daniel Amina, who is a psychiatrist. He's the Associate Medical Director of the Amen Clinics and is the co-author of a book, The Suicide Solution, Finding Your Way Out of the Darkness, co-authored with Rick Lawrence. And so really uh, dig into a whole lot today. Talk about suicide, um, as the title suggests, and um, a lot of what his work has been devoted to as well, and uh, anxiety, mental health, uh, really the broader scope, but more so, you know, the end is um, is this choice and decision of suicide. And so we know that's been on the rise. The data and statistics are uh, not great, uh, really, really challenging to hear um, as we as we discuss. And uh, also, there's a, there's a lot of hope, um, and there is uh, there's diagnosis, so to speak, for our condition, as we understand it spiritually, um, but also a lot of great practical clinical ways that we can be preventative um, and help those who are in uh, a place of despair, a place of hopelessness, a place where they need an encouragement, or perhaps even just someone to listen and to be present with them. I'm encouraged for today, and Hope that you enjoy this podcast episode. Here's my conversation with Daniel. Daniel, thanks so much for for joining me and the Guys Like Us podcast. Uh, Really excited to have you on today. Hey, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me on, helping me um, get this message out there. I Mm -hmm. think it's a big one. It's an important topic. And Mm -hmm. uh, for your community, especially that you reach, that you encourage, Mm -hmm. that you empower, I think it's a big one that we, we, we discussed. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, would love to get more into the book. I, I actually, as I, you know, we read this, I, I went to a walk. We have uh, these walks have been happening in September, really all across the country from my knowledge and went to one right in yeah. my, my local city, um, walk out of the darkness. And that's, you know, yeah. uh, through the um, American foundation for suicide prevention. And so certainly this, the topic that you wrote on is, is growing, but would love just to take us back a little bit and just to hear a little bit more about your background in medicine and um, when, you know, your interest in psychiatry and, and also, you know, how you're, how all this connected with your faith and your little, your faith background as well. Yeah. So it's actually a interesting journey to even getting to this book. Cause if you ask me maybe even in 2019, Hey, you're going to write a book around suicide prevention. I'd be like, Nope. Uh, are you going to write a book in general? I'm probably like, eh, maybe not. So just mm. even getting here, it's it's wow. been a very interesting journey. Um, um, I'm originally from Nigeria, came to the States around age eight. Um, 
for anyone who's an immigrant, especially from Nigeria, we kind of had these uh, particular, uh, when, when you come here, you see this as like the land of opportunity, right? You see the, it's this mm -hmm. beacon on the hill. So you're, you're here, you're like, make the most of it. Mm -hmm. So it, it really comes down to the careers, I, choices that I had were doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yeah. That's what oh, it yeah. was. So I was like, well, you know, helping people, that seems kind of cool. So the, the doctor, all right. And then who's the coolest doctors? Surgeons actually so mm -hmm. that my initial thought was all right let's go just go be a surgeon all right so i started that whole path uh actually went to pepperdine for undergrad uh did the whole pre-med thing uh, mm -hmm. pepperdine's in california yeah. like malibu i like my my weather so i made some weather-based choices with good academics outputs <laughs> too oh yeah um and then med school after that was ucla still california warm and and that was for medical school. So I'm doing the whole medical school thing, thinking I'm going to be doing surgery. Um, and, but I wasn't loving it. I, I'm mm -hmm. a very like focused person. So when I decided I want to do something, I want to stick with it. Mm -hmm. But I just wasn't loving it. I wasn't connecting with it. You know, um, my fellow surgeons were enjoying it and the process. But I'm like, I, I, this is not this is not mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point, I had to really dig deeper and decide, all right, what else am I going to do? And psychiatry had kind of come up. But more as like uh, maybe on on the mm -hmm. list of things, um, but it hadn't really spoken to me in any particular way, right? And so I put it in God's hands. I actually applied to multiple different programs for residency. Mm -hmm. My first interview happened to be in psychiatry, and I was like, ah, well, let's go. Hmm. So I went and did the interview, but had such a strong and good connection with the residents, the the staff, the the, the attendings. Um, we were like the senior doctors and I was like, yeah, this is good enough. I don't think it's probably gonna get any better than this. So I pretty much canceled all the other interviews for other surgical things, ER, all that stuff. It's like, let's do psych. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, psychiatry became a whole lot more than what I had thought it was, right? Mm -hmm. There's the stigma around psychiatry. There's the stigma around mental health. And I started seeing it as this, it's, it's the core of us in many ways. It's how our brains work. And when our brains work well, right. great things happen. When they don't work as well, not as good things happen. And I started to learn that we aren't as intentional as taking care of our brains. We usually mm -hmm. wait till something breaks before we start to take care of it. Mm -hmm. So it actually became more and more interesting. And then um, mm -hmm. I, people would ask me how it was going. And I would say, hey, you know, it's been a pleasant surprise. It's been a pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. Long story short, I eventually ended up after completed residency fellowship because I mm -hmm. did child and adolescent training also mm -hmm. I ended up over at um, the aim and clinics which really fit into this ethos of mm. um, there's more behind mental health than just mental health right it's it's brain health you can be proactive you can live into health um, and that's been our model at the clinic we we manage and treat uh, mm -hmm. clients in a more integrative way. So we're thinking mm -hmm. about multiple different things that may contribute to their wellness, mm -hmm. so their diet, their exercise, the supplementation, what they've been exposed to, the toxins, the he head injuries. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really in many ways framed my practice, which eventually led to the opportunity to write the book. Mm -hmm. And you see that influence in the book, right? Working with Rick Lawrence, who is a ministry leader Someone mm -hmm. who works in, and you know, actually teaches and leads, and and is an author, multi-time author already, which was like a privilege right. in itself. There's a whole other story and miracle there, but being mm -hmm. able to work with him and integrate what 
my knowledge is and what we've gained in the Amen Clinics into mm-hmm. this strategy for not only preventing mm-hmm. suicide, but living a more whole and complete life. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I love a few different components that you mentioned. One is on the holistic, really integrative approach, thinking about mm-hmm. some of those different aspects you mentioned. And, um, and, and yeah, and then really in the book as well, how you blend together the, both the clinical and, you know, the more the pastoral or care, really spiritual care component as well. And so really appreciate that. But I re- wanted to ask you, you know, um, what, you know, obviously the, 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 the title sticks out, the suicide solution. Um, but how do we find ourselves in this position uh, today and, you know, in, in the West Coast and the United States and in the world today? Um, and yeah, how does this kind of compare to maybe when you first entered into medicine uh, and we're finishing up your, your work at UCLA? Yeah, so, you know, in all forms of medicine, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're like an oncologist who treats cancer, mm-hmm. the thing you're trying to prevent is um, the patient losing their life to whatever the illness is, right? So mm-hmm. you could be a primary care doctor right. and in, they have diabetes or something. Right, and you're right. like, all right, we all pass away at some point, but we don't want this thing to take them out too soon, right? Um, so in, in psychiatry, the thing that we think about is suicide. Right. That's the it's it's the, the disease of of mental health in some ways, like a breakdown in mental health leading to someone getting to a point where they mm-hmm. choose to end their life. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's something we we think about and focus on sure. uh, and doing whatever we can to avoid. Now, the challenges has been in this last 20 or so years, mm-hmm. The rate of suicide has increased by like at least anywhere between thirty and thirty-five percent, depending on which year you do the math from. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's been this this drastic rise in suicide, and people have been going, "What is happening?" Mm. Right, and people have been trying to understand this, and this is something you know. As I've been training, and I've been seeing this happening, mm. and we've all been seeing it happening. More and more people have been publishing on it. They're trying to figure out what is the connection. Is right. it being on screens too much? Is it right? right. What is it? Right, and. The, the truth of it is, and we, we tackle this a little bit in the book, but the truth mm-hmm. of it is is that it's a combination of things, right? It's a combination of different variables that's led to this increased rise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and multiple studies have come out on this. Um, some relate to how we live in this hyper-connected world, right, um, where it's accomplishment-driven. It's what have I, um, what have I done-driven. There's a high comparison Right, where on social media seeing what the other person has done, mm-hmm. um, and often rating ourselves poorly in relation to that. Right, so we're in this hyper-connected world. Our village is larger in many ways. Right, um, we're not living in that little village, influenced mm-hmm. by that immediate community that actually has our back. We're now interacting with this larger sphere of people. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's actually been the biggest concern because one of the, the areas of largest rise is basically in that 10 to 24 range, right? Mm. Where you're seeing people in that range okay. more likely to want to um, end their life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So part of it is we're hyper-connected. Part of it is we're on screens too much, which means that we're not doing the things that naturally help us exercise. We're not getting outside as much. Mm-hmm. We're eating mm-hmm. foods that are devoid of nutrients, 
Mm-hmm. And that causes a whole bunch of stuff. They're mm-hmm. devoid of nutrients, so they literally actively have toxins in them. Mm-hmm. We, we live in communities that have poor water, right? I mean, we, we hear about the big mm-hmm. cases when, like, the water goes out for a whole city or something. Right. Um, and we, we think, oh, it's just in that area. Oh, that's bad for them. But, you know, water isn't great everywhere, right? We should, we should mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of course, there's some communities where it's better. But, but there's um, the toxins we get exposed in our water, the toxins we get exposed... And, and our foods, the microplastics they keep talking about um, that we're all being exposed to when we're tested for it now. And there's showing some association with that and ADHD, um, all the mix of other chemicals that we get from our foods, our clothes, our detergents, all these things that they told us wouldn't cause an issue. But unfortunately, now we're starting to see does cause problems long term mm-hmm. so when you add this all up in the context of a mm-hmm. more stressful or more demanding and always on kind of lifestyle that we all live now right we wake right. up and what right. what's the first thing we do we look at our phones yeah and then our phones just tell us all the awful that happened while we were sleeping yep, yep. right and all the awful to look forward to the rest of the day right mm-hmm. um it, it creates more stress it creates more anxiety and then that narrative out there of like Maybe there isn't a solution or that narrative out there of it's not mm-hmm, even still mm-hmm. safe yet to fully talk about mental health. Um, unfortunately, some people down the path of there is no hope and maybe I should just mm-hmm. end my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad I'm hearing this from a, really from the, the, that there's research out there on this as well. And um, because I think internally, I've kind of believed that that even though the advertisements you see say we're more connected, right? 5G, more connected there seems to be more disconnection with true mm-hmm. relationships and that relational health, um, the ability to wrestle with our emotions in real life and to engage and, you know, bear the consequences of actual seeing somebody and offending somebody and, you know, or breaking up, you know, or having a, a disagreement in a relationship, you know, interpersonally and having to deal with that. Um, mm-hmm. But these things too, yeah, it's the first thing we do is we turn over on our bed and, you know, you're, you, you turn on the light and then right next to that for most people is their phone and that phone is, and so I'm, what I'm hearing is, is I think resonating. Um, and I would love to get to some of the solutions, but, um, yeah, I, I, I just kind of one of the, you know, things I want to, wanted to ask first is, um, just what some of the, I guess, latest data and information is on, you know, on suicide, on anxiety, just the overall, you know, I know you mentioned some things have changed, right? The 30 to 35%, but just to kind of take a, so people can have a really grasp the scope of what we're talking and dealing about right here. So it's, it's scary to really think about that. Um, um, I think it's roughly every 10 or 11 minutes, someone dies by suicide. Yeah. Right. So even going through a podcast like this and we have a, a discussion on a 40 minutes or so. Sure. You know, that could be three, four people just depending on the timing of it all, right? Wow. Like literally as we're speaking, that's wow. scary, Wow. right? Um, the, the fact that between that 10 to 24, 10, 10 to 34 range, it's already the second leading cause of death. Do you believe that? It's already the second wow. leading cause of death. Um, and, and it was at a trajectory, at one point at a trajectory that it was going to overtake um, accidental death as the number yeah. one. Yeah, it slowed down a little bit. Actually, strangely enough, post it, it actually makes sense when you look at it. Post COVID, to like 2020, 20, 21, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there has, it has slowed down a little bit since it kind of like peaked in 19. And partly that is that it's not, I don't really think of it as really slowed down. I just think that it was replaced with accidental deaths from overdoses. So overdoses like skyrocketed in this last couple of years. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so we're seeing a 30% rise there. Yep. So yeah, maybe, um, you know, uh, completed suicide looked a little bit less, but overdoses kind of uh, uh, took its place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think of it as all of hmm. both classes. It's people who are not feeling well, mm-hmm. right? If you go to a substance and go to a substance to a certain point, it speaks to your state. It speaks to where you were at, hmm. right? Um, and working with enough clients, um, it's clear that the majority of people who struggle with substances, if they really could press a button that they didn't have to deal with that, they would. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, substance use, substance addiction is is devastating and frightening for a lot of people because it, it takes them, it takes over at times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of empathy I have for anybody who's dealing with substances yep. um, because it usually, again, speaks to kind of where they're at, uh, or even at mm-hmm. baseline, and what hasn't been met with other treatment modalities. Right. Yeah, no, certainly. Um, yeah, no, I, part of some of the work I do is with a lot of folks who are uh, struggling with addiction um, and yeah. the rise of fentanyl and is now kind of repla- oh has been replacing heroin, actually, at least in the in the, the East Coast, Massachusetts area. Um, and seeing how that is, no, de- it's debilitating. It's, it's all over and it's scary because sometimes it gets, you know, someone will be playing around. They think they're just having fun with their friends, playing around with some random different pills. And all of a sudden you get fentanyl laced to something and yeah. they overdose and die from that. That's right. Or they get addicted to fentanyl because now they yeah. were playing around with some, some random pill. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it's, it's an, it's. It's a time in our lives where, you know, we have to be very mindful of mm. what are we doing to take care of ourselves. Mm. And mm-hmm. and actually, this, this speaks into what the, the book is about right. in many ways. It's not, you know, it's very interesting. The book is titled Suicide Solution. You, 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 right. you spoke about that earlier, Suicide Solution. But in many ways, we talked about it being just a way to live, right? We could have just retitled it and, and just given it out as, sold it out as like, um, this is a way to live. This is an intentional way to, to live that actually moves you to its health. And just by default, when you do that, provides this protection in some ways from you sure. in being in that suicidal space. So you could be someone that isn't suicidal, read this, and you're almost just pro- providing a hedge around yourself that helps you live more into the life, live a more complete, more mm. holistic, mm-hmm. healthier life. Yeah. You could be someone who is suicidal and has struggled with it, right. and this becomes part of your toolbox of That's things right. that help protect you That's uh, right. going forward. Yeah. No, and it's, uh, you know, just firsthand, I, I, I saw a psychiatrist um, that, at, um, at uh, a Mass General Hospital, and so, you know, a renowned hospital in Massachusetts when I was younger, and yep. uh, for OCD. And um, yep. at first, you know, I, I didn't know it was OCD. Um, and so you'd have these irrational thoughts and thought that I was, you know, candidly, I thought I was suicidal at a young age, yeah. um, but had never had those thoughts. And at least for OCD, I was just, then I took a step back and really understood and started to process some of these thoughts, these, these irrational thought patterns, you know, and um, I love how in your book you talk about the internal, internalized narrative that we believe. 
And so then yep. I started to believe that this is who I was. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait, this is not who I am. This is never who I was. And then that really helped and um, was part of the kind of paving that, that way forward for me. And it's part of the toolbox really that I, I kind of continue to go back to. And so. So that's such a big thing, right? What you said, going through that at a younger age, wondering what the heck is going on. I actually really feel like as part of our educational system, as much as you're learning like English, math, and all of the things, there should be an ongoing um, class that mm. relates to brain health and neuronal function, mm. brain function, brain activity, what works well, what when it's not working as well. Because I think it, it, would, it would change the way we kind of conceptualize and understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Because there's mm-hmm. parts of our brain that generate thoughts. Usually when things are balanced and working well, the, the, our brain will filter out the noise, mm-hmm. right? It will mm-hmm. filter out the noise. It will be able to say, ah, that doesn't quite make as much sense. That's not what we want. Um, when they, they, there can be an imbalance for whatever reason, it could be genetics because someone had a head injury because they had uh, exposed right. to a toxin, they lived in a house that had mold. We've seen this. Oh, wow. Or if someone has, um, yeah. there's even certain random infections that a lot of people get. They'll get strep throat and then they'll have a condition called pandas and then they'll have yeah. OCD-based presentation, yep. right? Yeah. It comes out of nowhere, right? So an infectious thing that changes how the brain is working. That's right. Yeah. Now, have, helping people understand this, they st- my hope is that people start to recognize a lot of this is medical and it's not moral, right? It's not a failing in itself. It's if, if you broke your leg and you couldn't run, you wouldn't be like, I'm just a bad runner. Mm. I'm a lazy person. I can't run. I can't. You would go, I broke my leg, so I can't do it. It's not, it's not my narrative. I don't That's have right. to assume it That's right. as yeah. me. But unfortunately, brain-based things, it's difficult to really, you know, have that understanding that, oh, if I have a thought, it does not automatically mean that it's true. Mm. If I have a thought, I don't have to overly identify with it. If someone has spoken something over me in some state, they're like, they, they even parents do this unintentionally. You're being lazy. You've been what? I don't have to take that on. I don't have to own that. Mm. Right? And, you know, we use the analogy in the book, hardware and software, hardware mm. and software. Our brain is very much like that. There's a hardware component of our brain. It's biology of our brain. The software side is the psychology, like the lessons we learn along the way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The hardware needs to work right. The software needs to work right. For each individual, there is, if something isn't working right, it can be a, a combo of the two or just all of one. Mm-hmm. It's really all of one. But it's usually some level of combo, right? There might be a hardware biology component. There might be a psychological component mm. that eventually leads to the symptoms. Yep. And this is important because when you start to see it like that, you start to recognize, oh, I don't need to own all of this as like some failing. I need to see it as what it is. Mm-hmm. I am not lazy. I'm not weak. I am not whatever internal narrative right. we can sometimes create. Um, this is a medical thing that I need to make sure I'm taking care of the, the, the hardware side of it. And then, yes, if I have unintentionally taking up narratives that aren't healthy for me, right? So, you know, we're sure. people of faith, I'm a person of faith, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I believe the narrative that we should be writing is the one that's written by God for us, right? Mm-hmm, that relates mm-hmm. to our meaning and our value mm. in, our, in our life and, and what he's called us to do. Um, mm-hmm. there are others, unfortunately, that that inner narrative is too defined by what 
has happened to them, what their parents told them, what the community has told them. And now in this hyper-connected world, what the world tells them about themselves, mm. right? And they get drawn into that and they get lost in that confusing internal narrative. Right? And yeah. that in itself can lead to the depression, the anxiety, the suicidality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And that's even before we even going into all the different causes for hardware-based concerns, right? Which start with genetics, mm. right? That's your basic blueprint. There's another something else called epigenetics, which is basically your genetics, your genes kind of changing how they um, mm-hmm. transcribe and how they manifest in relation to what's literally actually happening, mm-hmm. right? So how you're eating, um, what experiences you've gone through, if you've already had trauma, yeah. like how it changes how your brain looks at the world if mm-hmm, you've had mm-hmm, trauma, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you had that head injury, one concussion, one, one concussion increases your risk of, of suicide uh, by three so three times increased risk of suicide with one concussion. Wow. People who play soccer bump their heads a whole lot more at a young age. It's hard on the brain. I've, at Damon Clinics, we do a type of brain scan. So I've seen what that looks like, right? And we don't often think about that, even those sub-concussive hits, mm-hmm. uh, our brain mm-hmm. was built for that, right? It, it's hard on the brain. Yeah over time, right? And each person heals a little bit differently from these hits. Um, and that can eventually lead to someone how it manifests yeah. or symptoms for, for an individual. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot that's resonating. And um, yeah, I, I personally played soccer and, uh, and then played collegiately. And many people, it's the concussions, it was concussions and ACLs that were the two yep. trauma-induced um, injuries that really put uh, a dent in their play and their performance and their and really even their ability to continue playing the game let let alone right it's the the impact it has in life and other you know the, the things you're mentioning with the, kind of the increased um at risk for suicide and so and then that was it for me too with pandas and so i do believe it was an infection based uh when i was so, yeah. younger and because there was yeah. you know i had played sports i had fairly healthy eating patterns and uh, good, you know, good sense of academic success and family support. And then all of a sudden on this field trip, it was like, I came back from this field trip. I was exhausted. And I believe I had strep throat because then subsequently, whenever I would get strep throat or even get an illness, uh, my thought patterns would, would change. And I was like, wow. And so I always get tested for strep throat to make sure that I, to see. And so it's just really, it's, it's encouraging to hear this that they're you know um, that this is now being discussed but also to your point of the brain health thing too I wish people had this this toolbox um, and this knowledge beforehand because the the hardest period is when you're something happens and you had to and the trauma and you don't know what it is and you're trying to figure it out it's like and I think a lot of people can resonate with you know when you get an injury and you go to the doctor and you're many people ah, they, we just can't figure out what this is so what if there's some ways that can maybe dis disarm some of that anxiety that comes in that in that process yeah that often is actually one of the greatest anxiety triggers for people and it can be traumatic to engage in the, with with your physician or multiple physicians and not get an answer like it literally can be traumatic right? right because now you're like what what, what is happening with me right it, right. it challenges our whole ex, like an existential challenge in some yes. ways like yes what am i who am i what's causing this what's going on no one can give right. me an answer that creates itself more anxiety. Mm-hmm. The quicker and sooner you can get to to an answer or, or 
um, when the brain understands why something has happened happening, it actually increases your ability to tolerate it. Yes, precisely. Right? So being able to name it, right? Yep. Being able to name something like pandas. A lot of people don't know about pandas, but pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder that's associated with strep, you know, infections, right, right? Right. And basically, get an inflammatory process related to strep. Mm-hmm. Even some doctors still don't know it, right? And this is studied, and it's, it's there's multiple research out there about it and how it mm-hmm. relates to things like OCD. Mm-hmm. But we're starting to see more and more that infectious processes do impact the brain. Mm-hmm. Before, chronic fatigue was like, oh, there's this person just being lazy. But now, with post-COVID, mm-hmm. we're starting to see that post-viral illness can impact how you feel, your energy yeah. levels, yeah. your cognition, all that brain fog. Yeah. It's not it was just in their head. I don't know what's going on with that. It it's actually a real thing. And now yeah. we're studying more, we're starting to see it. But the, think about the people who suffered for years um and and eventually took it onto their narrative because of what people would have said about them. Right. Instead right. of seeing it as like, oh no, I have this medical thing thing, they they saw it as oh uh, or people labeled it as something that relates to their character, right? Versus a, a medical condition right. that needed to be adequately right. treated. No, that, that's good, and um, especially within yeah within the, within the church, um, I've heard experiences of folks who have had uh, you know who have over spiritualized. This is the work of the enemy. This is, oh my um, and I personally I come from more of a secular <laughs> faith upbringing, and so it was purely clinical. You know, this is it's just managing it. There's no life in abundance. It's this is the the hope you have is in finding a stable dose of Prozac or, uh, or whatever, you know, and then mm-hmm. hearing. So I, I love how you do integrate both the spiritual and, and really the, the clinical or the, you know, the, the, re, and, um, and I know obviously Rick spoke a little bit more toward the, um, kind of that, the, the faith perspective and how, what kind of a Jesus Christ centered approach to it. But it, we just would love for you to speak into that a little bit, uh, kind of on behalf of that, a lot of that work that went into the book. Yeah, I think one of the things we, you know, in our conversations, Rick and I, um, one of the things I talked to him about was that initially, you know, I'm, I've, I grew up in a church, right? So, like, you know, that's, that's always been part of my narrative for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I think it's, growing up in the church is probably one of the reasons I wasn't as attracted to psychiatry. That's that's one, um, initially. Um, but there's a particular way the church views certain things, um, and, you know, I, and, and actually impacted initially how I would work with some of my Christian clients. So mm. a Christian patient would come in, you know, normally I should be jumping away. Hey, let's pray to get all of that. But sometimes it would, it would impact how they would want to integrate some of these treatment recommendations, right? Because <laughs> there, there can be that narrative that speaks to, I am ill because my faith isn't good enough. Right. I'm ill because right. of my sin. I'm ill because of whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's some failing in me and a failing in my connection with my God. Mm-hmm. That's why I am ill, right? So one of the things I actually eventually learned in doing this work is, for years now is, mm-hmm. is I actually speak to it a lot earlier when I'm working with my Christian clients, speak to that element there of... Mm-hmm. Um, we don't always choose how God is going to heal us, right? Mm. Uh, and and we see this in the in the Bible. Mm. There were multiple examples we actually discussed in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always think of it as like there was, uh, Christ healed with mud in someone's yeah, eye. That's I mean, right. 
Wow. All right. If, if we want to call my supplement recommendation, my medication, all that, whatever it is, mud, and God wants to heal, heal with it, thank you. Let's do it. I'm good with that. Mm. We know where our healing comes from, but we can still be humble in whatever that healing journey may look like. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. There, there are different steps in that. And I think when we look at the different experiences of, of healing that take place in, in the Bible, mm. you know, Christ healed wholly. Mm. It wasn't just the, the, the thing, whatever that, that the illness that needs to be fixed. It was um, your sins are forgiven, um, even for a cripple, right? Instead of just get up and walk. It was the, the woman with the issue of blood. There's a story of a woman with the issue of blood. She's unclean. That's what they would have labeled her for years. So she would have been out of the community. Imagine mm-hmm. what that would have been for her self-narrative, right? Mm. So her self-narrative, she touches... Uh, Jesus's um, like cloak and is healed immediately. Jesus could have kept going, but he turned around and identified her. She was already healed. She was healed immediately. She was, she was already healed. The physical healing was done, but he didn't stop there. He, he said, no, 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 come out. Who are you? What happened? He identified her in the midst of the community, identified and spoke of her healing in the midst of the community so that it would, it would forcibly welcome her in back into the community. Right. She had she had become so unclean that she invalidated herself so much that it changed how she lived. Right. It changed her thought process. So to really fully complete her healing, it wasn't just about the physical. It was going to be about the mental the, the and, and the societal um, healing mm-hmm. that needed to take place and how she thought about herself. Mm-hmm. So that in many ways relates to how we try to approach this in the book. Right. Right that yes we're people of faith mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in with being people of faith we can um approach healing approach the the work on the biology mm. in awe of what god has done and also in humility for what sin does to and i'm talking more like original sin does mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. create that brokenness that allows for illness in us yeah. Right. In the yeah. first place. Right. That's right. Uh, and then also being able to to be able to welcome that grace for how God chooses to heal us. Right. Mm-hmm. Our healing looks different, you know, for each person. You know, some people can be healed completely and some people it, it isn't. I guess God's plan for them to be healed completely in that way. Right. Part of the journey here is to prep them mm-hmm. for eternity. It's not just about our time here. Yeah. Right. So. But part of our role, even for people who even having this podcast, is that we are here to support each other. We're here to help us through each other through this particular journey that we're on. And part of it is recognizing, okay, if there are things that are broken biology-wise, let me mm-hmm. treat them. Mm-hmm. Like literally, if there's someone listening to this right now and has sleep apnea, there's at least one person because this is there's a large male community and the sleep apnea is very prominent in that. Mm-hmm. And you, you are not treating it, treat it. It increases your risk for dementia if you're not treating it. It increases your risk for depression. It increases your risk for cardiovascular disease. Treat it. I don't care if it's uncomfortable. Uh, work with your doctor. Find a, a mask mm-hmm. that, that, that helps and works. Because sleep apnea will also negatively impact how your brain works. Mm-hmm. The, if you have high blood pressure, it will impact how your brain works. Take those meds that you're supposed to treat your blood pressure. Eat better. Exercise yeah. better. There's a mix of supplements that it helps that we should all be on, especially in the context of the environment we're in. That's right. Yeah. Take those. If you have to take a prescription for depression, 
pray over it and and take it and be and listen to your body if mm. it's working for you listen to your body if mm. it's not okay find another option and find mm. a, a doctor that's willing to work with you holistically and think about mm. all these things mm -hmm. yeah can you just clarify sleep apnea for folks who may not be as familiar oh really yes yes so um a lot of us can snore you know there's a percentage of us that can snore but there's there's a certain level of snoring that actually becomes dangerous yeah. okay. where it negatively impacts the amount of oxygen that comes through. Okay. Right. And for some people, their airway can really literally collapse mm -hmm. at certain points during the night and they will eventually wake and gasp for air. Oh, right. Okay. And it can be small little gasps, but some people have big ones. Right. If someone has, it, it, you know, they snore and they tend to be tired during the day, they have to drink five, six, you know, they have to drink multiple cups of coffee to keep yeah. themselves going, get tested for sleep, you know, get a sleep study, um, rule mm -hmm. out sleep apnea. If it is a thing, treat it. Even if yeah. they say, oh, it's, it's kind of the moderate, mildish area, still treat it. Because I've mm -hmm. seen the brain scans of people who have sleep apnea. Um, you start seeing issues even decades before it becomes a problem problem mm -hmm. in the sense of like, oh, well, I can't remember things as much anymore. I can't focus as much. Why am I so angry all the time? Mm. Um, that might start showing up 10 years before, like on the scan, they might, you might actually start seeing differences on, on the mm. health of their brain okay. 10 years before it's like the big issue. But mm. treat it. I just have a feeling that because it's a primary yeah. male audience, there's at least one person who isn't treating it because I always get that. Yeah. Um, all the time we'll get people who come and see us at the clinic and they already had the answer in some ways. Someone already told them they need to treat sleep apnea two or three years before, but they're like, Oh no, I don't want to do that. And then you show them the impact that it's having on their brain. They're like, Oh, yeah. okay. I guess I do need to. Right. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And I wasn't super familiar with sleep apnea, but I, I mean, pastorally speaking, a lot, some folks have approached me and have mentioned how they're, they've been having trouble sleeping. And they haven't been able to stay asleep. They've been waking up early. A lot of, you know, even uh, nightmares. Or, 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 and I don't know, I've been hearing this more frequently over the last few months. Um, yeah. And so it's just been really interesting of how <laughs> how that's certain. It seems like it's more heightened now than at least it has it seemed to be. Is there any, has that increased in terms of just the lack of sleep that people are getting? Or what, I don't know how much you know into this as well. Oh, no, great question. Great question. Yeah, so... Obviously, all those people that approach you probably don't all have sleep apnea. There's other things that can lead right. to sleep disruption. Um, it, it's actually one of the reasons why we have to be so careful about how much light we're exposed to after the sun goes down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we have this natural internal clock that regulates melatonin, that regulates our wakefulness when, when it's time to get up in the morning. But that clock gets so disrupted because of the amount of ambient light that's always around. Okay. So, and we all are using more LED lights and such, and that's full spectrum. That's hitting your eyes. Your brain is at times thinking it's daytime almost, hmm. and it's changing your ability to secrete that um, hmm. melatonin. Yeah. So it changes our response of how much the melatonin we, we secrete. It changes our responsiveness to it. That's one element. There's the other okay. piece of, okay. of we, we eat the wrong foods. You eat too much sugar, we eat the wrong foods. That negatively impacts our sleep quality. We the the transition in seasons. This is always a time that sleep can kind of go off just because of that change in season, mm -hmm. and then also daylight saving time, which is coming up. All of these little changes also impact it too. 
So it's actually a very common thing. I've been, I get that a lot with my clients too. So you kind of have to go through a little mix of, of things of what am I doing mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. could potentially be impacting my sleep. Um, I usually tell clients, wake up. When you wake up, avoid looking at the screen. Do your best to get outside and like get sun on skin and get sun hitting your eye. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, not like looking at the sun and burning your eye. That, that's what I mean. But like being direct, you know, low horizon sunlight actually helps stimulate okay. um, uh, wakefulness, right? Mm-hmm. It, it sets the, the on button for like, oh, this is the time we should be awake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, get some physical exercise if you can before 9 a.m. Mm. <laughs> get and and then mat, monitor your last meal of the day so if if you sleep at nine or ten try to not eat three hours before yeah um be mindful of how much sugar you have because that can also disrupt it be mindful of alcohol intake because that will disrupt it even that wine of glass that you thought was healthy will okay. disrupt it as you metabolize it you'll wake up hmm. in, in the night um, and there are some supplements out there, some things we discuss in the book, GABA, 5-HTP, combinations mm-hmm. melatonin, things like that can yeah, also take sure. a little bit of edge off. But I usually like people to really work on behaviors first. Um, yeah. And, and obviously dimming the lights, right? Really sure. making sure you're dimming the lights past like 6, 7 o'clock and really kind of avoiding that phone Interesting. Um, yeah. around you or that bright white light that comes from phone or your laptop or your computer or your TV because yeah. that will keep you up. Well, no, it's, I didn't, I, I've heard about the screen, right? And reducing screen, especially later in the evening, right? Maybe holding off on the extra episode of, of, you know, your favorite Netflix series show in the, in bed. But I was not aware of the, yeah, it makes sense though, dimming the lights in your house, because if you're walking in, in it change it from kind of what you were saying, as well as the early exercise, what is some of the thought or what is some of the, the wise early exercise before 9am so important compared to a different time during the day? Yeah, it, it's kind of goals based on the exercise piece. So I okay. mean, you could technically exercise later in the day, but usually if someone is already coming in and saying, I'm, I'm struggling to get down or turn the brain off. If you do exercise later on in the day, there's a risk that you can activate yourself a bit. Okay. But all, I mean, you can do a later exercise, but you just definitely need to be making sure that you're doing some kind of like yoga or some kind of something that's calming, right? Slows right. you down versus is revving you up and pushing okay. you too much norepinephrine. Now, the, the earlier, so again, our brain likes these timestamps of like it's morning, so outside sun mm-hmm. on your skin morning. If you can even see the sunset, mm-hmm. if possible. That actually is another little brain timestamp too. Interesting. It tells you, okay, time to start slowing down, right? So mm-hmm. go a walk after the work, even if it's just five or ten minutes, and the sun's starting to go down a little bit. Obviously, and season's about to change, so yeah, know, do your best. But even even with cloud cover, just trying to get out there and create those clear timestamps. We right. spend so much time indoors, even in our cars, so we don't get as much sun, which impacts us. Right. Um, we're all nutrient deficient. If you just eat the standard American diet, you're indoors more, your vitamin D is probably low, your magnesium is low, um, your zinc, a bunch of things. So often mm-hmm. it's like, where's your vitamin D? That will impact your sleep. Yeah. Where's your, your magnesium levels? That will impact yeah. your sleep. If you're anemic a little bit, your iron levels, that will impact your sleep. That's interesting. There's all those little, little things that we usually need to be thinking yeah. about when someone's struggling with sleep. That's interesting in the vitamin D. I, I spoke to someone on the podcast a few months ago now and um, grew up in Wisconsin and then moved to yep. New York and then has recently been in Texas. And he's saying 
um, I think at least anecdotally that his, like he feels less anxious and he was somebody who struggled with OCD as well. And he's like, I don't know if it's the sunlight or if it's this, the, just the change of environment and climate that he's in now, but perhaps there's other factors, lifestyle changes and such, but to the, just to go back to your point of the vitamin D and the sunlight, um, certainly is, and we're more, I feel like we're, we're spending a lot more time indoors, um, no exactly right and there's some if you think about some of those colder climates depending on how the home is built is there mold was there mold is there (laughs) more mold in that community um some people bringing even just in the trees and in the woods or whatever um some people are more sensitive to that that will create almost a little bit of that inflammatory process maybe not a full-on pandas thing but just enough that for some people it can make them feel a little bit more anxious Mm -hmm. a little bit more ocd and then they yeah. get in a slightly different climate, different environment, and their body regulates or manages mm-hmm. better. Maybe it's a newer home. Maybe they get more sunlight exposure, makes it a right. different lifestyle, um, different community. And you stack them up to to being kind of healthier. It actually, in many ways, relates back to well. And yeah. So yeah. all the stuff that we're discussing right now, right. we kind of cover this in the book in many right. ways oh, yeah. because it really comes down to. So this book isn't, we've said, I've said it before, it's not about scaring people, it's about empowering people, mm. right? It's about providing hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I can simplify a lot of the things that we've just talked about as, mm-hmm. as living intentionally. Mm. And it comes down to something I like to tell our clients, it's, it's the four C's, okay? I think I used to have them as three C's and it became four, maybe I'll have five or something at some point, but it's the four C's. Mm-hmm. And connecting with people is important, mm. right? So that's C number one, right? Connect. Mm. And that's, that's even if you're someone who's an introvert, you still mm. got to connect. Or maybe not as much as the extrovert that needs to do it all day. Um, but there needs to be that one or two good quality connections. Yeah. Where you feel heard, you feel understood, you feel seen as the human. It's necessary for our, our health and wellness. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. We need to create something. You need to make something. Yeah. And, and that could be art. That could be a, it could be a podcast. It could be something. Just whatever it is, right? Sometimes we get lucky and that happens in the context of our work, but it might be even something beyond our work. Yeah. A yeah. lot of, you know, when people were out of, when, during COVID, a lot of people were doing, um, they were like starting to remodel their house right. to feel more control, work in their gardens to feel more control, learn to cook, right? Create. Okay, it's a powerful tool. So be mm-hmm. mindful of how you're creating and if you've already been doing it give yourself credit for doing that you're like oh so that's why i like to right, right. do art and draw and, paint right. and all that all right so those are two c's connect uh create another one contribute hmm. what are you doing for someone else that moves you from being in your head to external mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. being in our head can be dangerous if we're in there too long right because our brain's throwing up stuff at us all the time yeah Right. So yeah. how do we contribute to our, our community around us, right. our home, our family? And it doesn't mean you have to go volunteer and be doing everything, but it might mean you go volunteer. But in balance, don't burn yourself about doing a whole bunch of stuff for everybody. Yeah. Right. Find that right amount of like, what am I doing yeah. to contribute? Yeah. And it could just be as simple as your when you go to the 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 store and you're checking out, you actually look at the person, mm-hmm. see their name tag and say, Thank you johnny for uh checking me out or whatever right you actually look at them connect with them and say thank you right that's a moment that's something you contribute to them they they got a little bit of a a little dopamine when you did that for the other person Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. so even having that little bit of of mindfulness to do that 
the last one is cultivate wellness mm. and cultivate wellness is is why someone would listen to the this podcast yeah it's like how do i grow how do i get better how do i continue to improve in myself um oh the guy talked about eating can i make a different decision about my my nutrition today what's healthier yeah. what yeah. is healthy food maybe i should watch some youtube videos on what's healthy what, what is this toxin stuff and mold thing this guy was talking about let's mm. let me go look what what all this oh, stuff wow. is there you can have mold in your coffee beans wait what kind of coffee beans do you buy honey you know start being aware of where right, you get right. stuff from where you source them wait, mm. wait i shouldn't be drinking from plastic bottles why look that up right mm. so starting to cultivate that wellness mm. you don't have to be extremely well today you can build into it you mm -hmm. can get better how you hydrate yourself what supplements you take how you yeah. sleep what your exercise routine is um and how you manage that internal narrative which yeah. actually becomes part of yeah, uh, yeah. that cultivation too awesome so, the first no, you know i love it it's like a good alliteration too yeah you definitely were raised in yes. the church so <laughs> yeah good good four-point sermon there um exactly and so no so I, I this is all really helpful and really good and and um there was something i was going to get to is the but you've been really talking about this throughout the way you've been answering all these questions is that integrated approach and thinking about all right well here's the full scope of what we're talking about and these are this these are the all the different roots that kind of create that that tree trunk so to speak and um and where it's planted and just want to kind of go back to a point you had mentioned in terms of at least spiritually speaking right so i, I was reminded of john 9 3 neither this man nor his parents sinned, said jesus but this happened so that the works of god might be displayed in him and so i i just love how in the midst of healing it is for at the end of the day, God is glorified and we see his power on display however he decides and chooses to heal people. Um, and it doesn't always look like uh, perhaps your mind or your the way that you perceive that this healing is going to happen. And so obviously be just be very discerning, prayerful about that and consider it and take some time to see, you know, this is you might have these small moments of healing and then later healing or it might in this side of eternity, there might not be full healing as well. Um, but to still long and to still seek and to still pray for it, but to manage and to have the perhaps the perseverance in the midst of in the with the thorn, your thorn in the flesh, as Paul would say. Um, but, you know, as you said, yeah, in Genesis three, we have a sin nature. And so we yes. are we're the, the way things are is not the way that they should be. And we can attest yeah. to that and know that this is part of um, a rebellion or idolatry and or the yeah. fall and that. When we see mental health, when we see suicide, we know that this is not the way that things that God had designed things to be, um, and so we can point and 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 look toward um, a light and to a hope. And so I just appreciate you for um, for bringing in really the the complete scope of this because I think you know for some folks who are listening, they're like ah, you know it's it's you just got to read more in God's word, and yes, you do, but I would also seek out some of these approaches as well. Just for anyone who might be skeptical, um, would just strongly encourage that. So yeah, no, I mean, I'll say to that. So one, that is perfect. Literally, what you just said. I'm so glad that you summarized it like that because that said it better than I was going to say it. It really does come down to. Um, I still want people to have hope. Um, I still think that God has a plan for each and every one of us, and He still wants us to have a life that we can live abundantly mm. um how does that look 
it might not be exactly the picture we 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 desire but they can still be abundance yeah and you know having an excited expectation of how he will bring on that abundance right mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. abundance is not just money or or just like the best health ever it, it can be a mix of things what abundance can be yeah but that excited expectation of god what are you gonna do yeah i'm i'm, I'm faithful i'm ready as your child i'm ready for for what you may do with with any of this right mm. so if you go to your doctor because you broke your leg go in with that faith that god can bring something good out of it if you're going to your doctor because you you're dealing with depression go in with faith that god can redeem That's that right. interaction uh, that if you're going to take a prescription or whatever pray over it and say this is mud lord but you can do some amazing things with mud yeah so this may have some side effects but make it less than me mm. if this is supposed to work and says it works you know you know 30 to 60 percent mm -hmm. of time depending on the study let me put me in that that part of the study that works you know yeah. Yeah. hold take it in in that way versus looking at it as a sign of of poor fate of like of right. dreading taking whatever that thing may be right no that's a good point yeah yeah. And, and so you've named a lot of these kind of, I, I'm very big into this quote unquote preventative medicine, right? We're yeah. very, have a lot of reactionary and it really frustrates me when I see people who, you know, some of it is self-induced or enter into these places of poor behavior, decision-making choices. And it, it's like, you know, part of me is like, you know, the grace is sufficient and yes, God will work with you here. But I'm also like, what are some things that we can do to prevent that happening in the future? Right. Exactly. Um, and exactly. so uh, you've mentioned a lot of these good things. And so we don't need to get dig too deep into those. I hope folks can read the book and to see some more of these kind of preventative practices and ways that we can, at least regarding suicide, how we can really be on the forefront or the, the, the yeah, kind of, a, of all of this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll even take it further. I think we, we wrote in a perspective that we want everyone empowered. And I, I think we're going to probably do a version two of this book where it's not even that it's not in the towel of, of suicide in itself, because when you think about it, it's so let's say we're written a book on preventing heart attacks, mm. right? Anybody who's already at risk for heart attack, maybe would start looking at mm -hmm. it. But in truth, if you did a, a book on preventing heart attacks, all the strategies for preventing heart attacks, literally everybody could use. That's right. right? That's and right. It, it yeah. would decrease all cardiovascular risk, but it will also decrease your stroke risk. And interestingly enough, a lot of things you'll do for decreasing risk for heart attack will also decrease your dementia risk. Um, a lot of things will also decrease your depression risk. Right. So That's this right. book kind of works in that line of like, yeah. this, these strategies that are here, yes, we're focused on suicide because that's the worst outcome. And, and suicidality, not even completed suicide. There's this mindset of just like, People aren't thriving. They're living into almost like a death mindset, yeah. right? A depleted yeah. mindset. That's right. That's right. Um, and and switching from that and living more into life and into thriving. That's what this book is about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, amen. I pray that God will change people's perspectives and hearts to see the future, to see hope. And it's in the present, amen. right? The kingdom is here. Um, desiring for the kingdom to, to be here as it is in heaven. And so that's always... Um, the prayer. And I, I love just to kind of, as we wrap up, um, one of the, the things I know a lot of us here, and I love how you touch it on the, in the end of the book is caring for those who are struggling, right? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, you know, the, it really is sad when you say, I wish I had known that this person was struggling, or I wish that 
I could have done something right. And so I first just want to remove that feeling of guilt that some people for folks who are listening, who have lost, you know, a loved one or someone close, remove that sense of guilt. Um, but also know that, you know, this, there is a lot of weight to it too. And, And if we can help and, and lend a hand, um, I know it's, it's something that we're called to love our neighbor as well. So, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're called to, and I think we were called to at times help them with carrying that burden, right? Mm-hmm. Good Samaritan style. Yeah. Right. Um, while taking care of yourself, right? I yep. also think of taking, you know, put your, it's the plane analogy, put the face mask on yourself, right? In a plane. And then before you start giving it to your kid or somebody else, right? You yes. want to pass out while you're trying to do it. Correct. Uh, correct. So, That's a good analogy. Um, yeah. I, I think there's the self-care element too, while we're also supporting those around us. Is there, um, is there particular ways you think that we can, I don't know, is there conversations that we can start or signs that we can kind of sense when someone else is struggling that say, well, you know, maybe things aren't like they always are uh, with my friend or with someone who I really care for? Uh, listen and be persistent. Listen, and listen is an interesting thing because listen doesn't mean give them an advice how to fix it right away. Sometimes it's just repeating what you heard. Okay. So you're telling me this is what's going on in your marriage right now? Wow. How's that making you feel? Mm-hmm. So that's making you feel pretty upset and sad, huh? Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that feeling pretty upset and sad. Wow. You know, and, and sometimes it's just there, being there with them in that, in that moment. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, for some people, they're good at just having that conversation, having back and forth, and all you need to do is go get coffee with them and do that. For some people, they're not those kind of people. You you, you know that you're going to have to take them fishing, right? You go fishing, and then they'll talk. You go, hey, can you help me in the garage? I got, I'm trying to move this thing, yeah. build this thing, do this thing in the car. Bring them in that way and have a conversation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Go throw the football with them. So if you already sense that something's happening, work on the relationship with them. Connect with them. Listen to them. Listen to them. And then you can gently say, hey. You know, you want to, would you want to know what I think we could consider doing? Um, and if you honestly really don't have a good idea of what you could consider doing or they don't want to hear it, don't give it to them. Yeah. Just be there. Be there for them and say, hey, you know, if you want to okay. talk to anybody else about this, you know, there's some pros, professionals that might have right. some better ideas. Yeah. You know, I'm just, yeah. this is, I just want to be here. I just want to show I love you. But mm-hmm. maybe I don't have those answers, but there are people out there that do okay. have answers. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No, and that's good. And I, was going just the the point you made earlier about the the different C's and well, especially for men here, I think men like to do things and like to be involved in activities and I think God designed us in that way, different, right? Yep. Tending and laboring in the garden, and um, we like to do things and there is toil to it, but we like to nonetheless get out and do activities. And so, just would encourage more guys to go out and invite friends to go golfing or to go play basketball or go for a run or healthy things where you can invite others be purposeful in the kind of the activity you're doing um and if possible yeah be outdoors or be persistent too if you need to there's some people who will say no a couple of times yeah and and just gently be persistent and be like hey you know i've asked you a couple of times i I know we weren't able to do it the last couple times but i really want to kind of hang out is there anything else you'd want to do right be persistent and you know unless they like curse you out and say leave me out or something right right okay I'll do it, but um, if you're if you're really consistent, sometimes persistence is, is that's right. Is an important. Amen. So. 
Well, awesome. Well, uh, Daniel, thanks so much for joining me and the guys like us podcast. Um, yeah, just really enjoyed our time. And for folks who want to learn more, perhaps, you know, read a little bit into the book and other resources, where is a good place to find you and, and everything we've mentioned? Yeah, so uh, the book is pretty much available at any bookstore online. I mean, the easiest one is just go to Amazon.com and look for The Suicide Solution. Okay. I am on, I'm technically on Twitter. I don't ever go there. I'm on an Instagram. I don't go there as much either, but I'm still on Instagram. So if some people want to reach me out there, it's under uh, Doc Amina, D-O-C Amina. Um, and you can also mm-hmm. probably just look me up, Dr. Daniel Amina. Okay. And then I'm also... Uh, available on the Amen Clinics website. So if you go to the AmenClinics.com uh, website, I'm out of the um, uh, office in Southern California. So you can see me on there too. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much. And right. I appreciate your time. Hey, Tyler, thank you so much. Thank you for what you do and this platform and what it means to, to men and, and being able to have these type of uh, conversations. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you.